0: You know, i have this kind of belief that the more that what you do personally or your company does affects the base layer the more true to the ethos of bitcoin that company needs to act so if you're a miner if you're a node operator if you're somebody you know a, a, a bitcoin core dev like those kind of people operating they are people that have to be kind of the high priest they have to act with the utmost integrity Because when they go off track, they create a lot of damage and
1: they hurt a lot of other innocent people. Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, the Bitcoin philosophy show with Knut Svonholm and me, Luke the Thesudofin. Today's guest is Bob Burnett, CEO of Barefoot Mining. His life trajectory has taken him from working on the first personal computer to discovering Austrian economics to a burning passion for Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. In this episode, we take a deep dive into the world of Bitcoin mining, we talk about how pools work, how they operate, we compare block size to block time, and we discuss how the role of miners will change in the future. But we also talk about the ins and outs of operating a company with a 100% Bitcoin ethos, and the passion and purpose that Bitcoin can inspire. But before we jump in, a quick reminder that the best way to support the show is to send us a boost or stream us some sats using a value-for-value podcasting app such as Fountain. If you're listening to the show as a podcast, check it out on fountain. You can earn sats from listening and you can support us and all your other favorite shows. You can also support us on Geyser fund or send sats directly to our lightning address, freedom at geyser.fund. And if you want to exchange your dirty fiat, you can support us on Patreon. All our links are in the description. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like the episode and subscribe to the channel. Even if you're listening as a podcast, head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe to us there. It would be a big help. And finally, we want to thank today's sponsors, Wasabi Wallet, Orange Pill App, The Bitcoin Way, Zelox, and BitcoinBook.shop. All their information is in the description and we'll be talking a bit more about them later. And now, without further ado, here is Bob Burnett on The Freedom Footprint Show. Bob, welcome to The Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, welcome, Bob
2: you've uh, we've interacted uh, over the years a couple of times on twitter uh, or Good. more than a couple of times uh, quite often not not as often nowadays but a few years back we had some back and forths, i uh, yes. seem to recall yeah I yes, enjoyed those yes me too me too can you tell us about well let's start at the beginning shall we so so g- give us the tldr about yourself and what you do and then we can get into the orange peel stuff afterwards
0: sure my primary thrust is through a company called barefoot mining. Um, we've been in the mining business since 2017, my background and, and how I got into that was, uh, my background is in personal computer design. So going way back to the mid eighties, um, I was, I started out of school working for a company called Zenith, which was in that era one of the larger TV brands in the world, but they had a personal computer division. And this was just after the IBM uh, AT computer had been uh, released. And so I had the good fortune of being assigned to a design team that ended up creating what I believe to be the first laptop computer. So it was kind of a really neat piece of history I didn't realize maybe I think a lot of maybe how how people are in Bitcoin today you mean that a lot of people are working on things they may not understand and grasp the significance of what they worked on until a decade or two later and I had that experience and I rode that wave of the personal computer for the next 20 years Uh, ultimately I was the chief technical officer for a company called Gateway which was the one of the larger PC companies in the world. We had about $9 billion in revenue and, you know, helped take them public. And, you know, it was a it was a great ride. Ultimately, after leaving there, I did a a, a technology incubator, really trying to help small technology startups get going. And to be honest, I was kind of searching. I think, for that thing, because I was involved in things that were exciting, but having come from, I guess, literally the birth of the personal computer and riding that wave, it was difficult to find something that had the same excitement. Like, it was really hard, you know. So, uh, it wasn't until 2017 that I drifted into this space. And, you know, full disclosure, like a lot of people, I came in through the back door and through a shit coin, but not in the typical way. I didn't, I wasn't trying to buy shit coins. Uh, What what happened was I got a phone call one day from somebody that said, hey, Bob, can you design 300 uh, Ethereum mining servers for me? And this was at a time when people were building, if you remember those days, people were building these, what were they called open air rigs? They would, uh, they would, motherboards and graphics cards and strap them to wire racks because they couldn't cool them properly. And, and, uh, it, it didn't scale well. It didn't work. So, so I have a, a a long relationship with NVIDIA going back to the early nineties. Um, in fact, my, my company gateway in the early nineties was the very first company to, Design a piece of Nvidia silicon on a motherboard, so we were their first customer. So when they were when they were trying to get started, and so anyway, I ended up designing these um, machines for them, and it was a nice order, a big order. And then I said, "Well, maybe somebody else would want to buy them," but I was thinking like a computer guy, right? I was just a guy trying to sell computers, and people started to say yes, but these people all said, for the most part, yes, but only if you will host it for me too. So that, that kind of led me into, well, I, I guess I have to open, at that, at that time it was a data center, now we do everything in containers, but, you know, we had to open a data center up so that we could sell the computer, that was kind of a, hosting was an enabler to us selling the machine. But different sidelight, I, I also, in addition to my technical degree, I have a degree in economics. And I had started studying Austrian economics in the early 2000s, 2001, 2002. I certainly have the Austrian bent, libertarian sort of bent, um, you know, pre-Bitcoin. Pre uh, and I started as a technical guy, though, I started to look at what I was selling, you know, this Ethereum thing. And I started to get uncomfortable with it. I started to see, this was like in 2018, like, you know, this doesn't feel right. The proof of stake stuff was coming. The governance structures were coming, the monetary policy, all that sort of stuff. So um, we started to pivot the company because I found Bitcoin and I said, no, this is, this is the right way, right? It, it, it made sense technically. It made sense at least at a 50,000 foot level from the economic principles behind it. And so we started to pivot the company um, that direction. And um, we're obviously, we're, we're purely a Bitcoin company. Maybe we could talk about it more. In fact, I, I operate my company completely within the ethos of Bitcoin. Um, and it's our, it's our guiding principle of our company. And I think that that's something, honestly, that worries me within the community within the ecosystem um is that i think there are a lot of actors playing major roles that don't act within the ethos and it concerns me not that bitcoin is going to fail but it it, the road is a lot rockier when you have people acting outside of the best interest of bitcoin
2: yeah uh, that's uh unfortunate because it will just slow down the
0: pace of hyper reconization I guess. Yeah, it, it it slows it down and it also creates damage too. So it, you know, as an example, I think, uh, I'm, I'm going to do some content on this in the future, but, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll preface it with you guys today. what, w- this is what happens. Just as an example, Core Scientific, which is, you know, I mean, still to this day, I believe the single largest mining company in the world acted completely with a Wall Street fiat mindset during 2021 and 2022. They they went public. They took on a billion dollars of debt. They bought massive amounts of inventory that they didn't even know where they were going to put. They couldn't get it deployed. And those acts... In fact, I believe they should be held in the same regard as like a Voyager or BlockFi or, you know, I think we, we all kind of detest what those companies did. And we blame them to a great degree for the bear market and the, the turbulence that the community has faced. But Core has largely gotten a free pass on this for some reason. They haven't been vilified the way that I think they should be vilified because what they did was they used their position a, a really contillion position right to their access to money and access to capital and they used it to essentially buy up the supply of mining equipment in the late 21 and early 22 time period and what they did was they made it impossible for the plebs and the small mining companies who wanted to expand to get access to equipment. They put a lot of companies out of business. They restricted the growth of a lot of well-meaning companies. And in the meantime, they were using this, um, access to capital acting essentially as a zombie company. Uh, and you know, as, as you said, in the, in the end, Bitcoin will find its way. It will correct itself, but, A lot of really well-meaning, well-intended people and companies suffered massive collateral damage as a result of it. And and that really bothers me. That that frankly it more than bothers me. It angers me. It really, really irks me. And there's a there's a lot of behaviors like that. And, And I have this kind of belief that the more that what you do personally or your company does affects the base layer, the more true to the ethos of Bitcoin that company needs to. So if you're, if you're a miner, if you're a node operator, if you're somebody, you know, a a Bitcoin core dev, like those kind of people operating there, they are people that have to be kind of the high priest. They have to, they have to act with the utmost integrity, um, because when they when they go off track, they create a lot of damage and and they hurt a lot of other innocent people. So, so anyway, that, that's a bit of my yeah. Commentary. That's
2: uh, it. Reminds me of a lot of stuff. There's uh, there's a lot to unpack here, and uh, I can start by uh, on a positive note by saying that we. Both me and Luke were in Prague and, and Riga recently, uh, Prague in June and, and Riga now just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, the, the happy news we have from there is that the the signal to noise ratio is getting way, way better. And if you compare it to the Miami conference, like these, both Prague and Riga are very, score very much higher in... in uh, Signal to noise ratio. I, I remember in, in uh, Miami, I, I was in the orange pill app booth and in the aisle next to us, there's this company wh- with a big uh, backdrop that says identity on the blockchain, which <laughs> is like, who is just like the opposite to the Bitcoin case. Yes. like, it's, it's all the bad since in moron, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's called identity with, uh, you know. As in I or something, and you know, oh, everything was wrong with it. Um, so you should put your passport on the blockchain or some bullshit like that. But yep. but what we felt and from what I've heard about Bitblock Boom and uh, other like hardcore Bitcoin conferences, they're they're becoming better. I mean, it's a slow process. I mean, back in 2019 in Riga the big shitcoin thing that happened there where people didn't call out the bad actor was when andreas antonopoulos just wrote had just started writing his ethereum book yeah and everyone was afraid of calling in, uh, him out because he was sort of untouchable since everyone was orange-pilled by him at some point and uh, you know remember in 2017 andreas was the only guy like there there were no yeah, sailors. He was, he was very
0: important to me yes
2: for some reason he was untouchable and he still is to this day to some extent i mean then again this community is better than any other com- uh, community on earth at slaying their heroes like <laughs> <laughs> most, most of the heroes from 10 years back have been slain all of them if you look at one of those early bitcoin movies they're like they all sold out and they all like it, depressingly enough it has shown you a lot of like how many bad actors there are out there, how high that ratio is in an environment that, that is about money. And I think that's the thing it's, it's money. So, all the people who love money will be there, and the people who will, you know, walk over dead bodies to get money, <laughs> they're there. Like, and we're, the, what's happening is that we're slowly but surely weeding them out. It's a shitcoiner purge in a way, and it takes a couple of decades before that plays out. But from what I can tell from the latest conferences, it's been, uh, it, it's getting way better and the, the, the companies I interact with, the orange Bill app, for instance, is like, uh, it's very much aligned with the ethos and, and everyone's really in the bear market now building and trying to stick with the, try to be real and hardcore. And, uh, that's good to
0: see. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I, I, I think, I hope I didn't come off doom and gloom with what I said, um, but the, the, the point of what I was saying was that, you know, when the, the, when the rats come into the, the home base, right. You know, it, to to the free cocaine in the lab. (laughs) Yeah. It, it, it has this effect. And in the end, it won't matter to Bitcoin. It does matter a lot to certain individuals or certain companies that, that, that get affected. And uh, by the way, I was, I spoke at Prague too, and I spoke at Bitco- Bitbuck Boom. And so, mm. but I, but I, I definitely agree with you that, you know, like that conference, I, I don't want to be overly critical of Miami because I think Miami, even though there's maybe, I mean, obviously there was some shitcoin stuff and there was some drama there and there was all those things. I think there, there is a, Place in the world for a really large gathering of people and the community to come together, but but I really appreciate. I I was just at Bitblock Boom, and of course I, I said I was in Prague. I'll be at Pacific Bitcoin. I'll be at Unconfiscatable. That's where I'll you know kind of my my path for the rest of the year. Those kind of shows, at a personal level, I get a lot more out of because I I feel like I interact with people that are more true to the cause, that, that are there for the right reasons. And as you said, you know, separating out some of these people that are in for the money. And I, you know, I went on this little tirade about core, but I'm somewhat of a lone wolf, I think, in that I, I really have a problem on the whole with the entire sector of public mining companies um that i see that behavior for the most part across that entire sector uh or a group of companies but i believe it it's inherent to them being public so i my my hypothesis would be that it is impossible to be a public mining company and act within the ethos that you have Diametrically opposed objectives. And if you look at the, <laughs> the the public mining companies, and like I said, I I was part of taking a company public. It it no matter what you say, it will change the way that you think and operate. Like it does. And it forces a high type preference, management style, and behavior set within the company. And so I think it's something that I think it's very, very important that we watch closely what happens there and, and hold these companies to the task when they stray too far from the ethos.
2: Yeah, th- th- this ties into like BIP 300 and what we talked about with Adam back Luke, uh, if you remember that, that if BIP 300 is implemented, there would be like a six month or three month period. For the users to check the miners so that they don't do something bad and start a cabal, uh, you know, <coughs> uh, whatever. So, so they're not in cahoots with one another. We have three months to figure out figure it out, which is only parts of why that's a stupid idea. Why, why we'd want to shit coin on Bitcoin? I, I never got that. But the thing, the thing is, isn't it beautiful? In the end, everything is good for Bitcoin, and isn't it beautiful like this? brutal kind of fiat uh by any means necessary kind of crony capitalism mindset is still good for bitcoin in the end like that that the system works so that this you know gordon gecko type greed in the end benefits everyone because it well it secures bitcoin and produces
0: blocks it does. And I, I I I wish there was a different path, but I'm a realist as well that they're going to be there. I can't I can't stop them. They are, you know, Bitcoin is open to everybody. If they choose to come in and do it this way, then so be it. The only thing, the only caveat I'll throw to that though, and, and this is the challenge that I, I kind of put to everybody out there, like listening, is if you go out and you buy stocks in these companies that are doing this, you know, understand that you're supporting that behavior, that you're, that you're enabling that, you know? And so, you know, if, if like, for instance, in mining, you know, if you were going to throw $10,000 to buy a public mining stock, you know, maybe that $10,000 could be deployed, either buying Bitcoin or buying your own mining equipment, operating it yourself. and you'd serve the greater good better that way than you would by buying that stock. But I can't stop you,
2: you know, so. This makes me think of other events from 2017, mainly like when the users stopped the 2x hard fork from happening. So, so like there is a limit to what, what kind of shenanigans minor companies can do. Like uh, still the users are in control. And I guess there's, there's some
0: sort of uh, threshold there for, for bullshitting behavior. Yeah, I think there is. But like, like, I think that the awareness, I like what you said about, you know, BIP 300. I, when I spoke at BIP Block Boom, uh, my, my topic was on block space scarcity and, you know, my, my feelings about how scarce it was going to be, what the implications of that were going to be. And uh, at the end of the talk, which is available publicly to anybody that wanted to hear it. But at the end of the talk, one of the things that I predict is that at some point, it might be three years from now, it might be 10 years from now, um, we'll see an initiative come to try to reduce block time. So we've already had the block size wars. I predict a block time war where what will happen is somebody will say, hey, the subsidy has come down to a point now where inflation is essentially zero right so we are you're approaching that point so maybe two more havings we get to the point where inflation is now negligible and we need to increase well this would be the 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 belief the belief is we need to increase the processing capacity of the network and we've already lost the block size war so Another way to approach that is the block time war. So if we say, well, we can double the capacity of the network by shifting the block times from 10 minutes to five minutes. And, um, so this is just a prediction and it's one of those ones I hope is not true. You think people are going to fall for that? Well, I think they could, because I think, I think you may have, because I think some of the actors who may promote it will not be just big miners but also maybe like a BlackRock, a Fidelity, who are trying to reduce the fee rates. And so if, if you're out there and you're motivated to reduce the fee rates and increase the number of transactions that the base layer can do, it's honestly the only lever you have left. And so if you get past the point, like right now it wouldn't work, right? It would be a mess, because you'd say, well, you've, radically change the inflation rate, right? But if the inflation rate is already down to zero, let's say in the year 2030, you know, we've gone through really three more halvings by then, right? So, so we're, we're down to a subsidy in the 1.78 uh, range. I think it's 2032. They'd say, well, now now we're, we're introducing, so uh, 0.78 times, 210,000 blocks is only 140,000 Bitcoin or something like that, right? So so doubling, making that come a little faster really won't change the inflation rate. So anyway, the, the reason I say it though is, is that I, I want to say it to people in a preemptive way so that the community can, can, the first time this idea comes up, and I'm sure it will, that we squish it. like <laughs> Like, don't, don't let it get momentum.
2: Okay, so so here's my prediction. Uh, when I hear that, first of all, I think the ten minute intervals are way more, you know, engraved in the in the collective consciousness of Bitcoiners than the than the one megabyte blocking size limit was, because that that was sort of an arbitrary number that was that just happened way earlier when they didn't have any thoughts about the consequences of that way later down the line. So so the one, one megabyte thing uh, is more arbitrary than the 10 minutes. Because it's sort of... the ten, uh, it has to do... Uh, the 10 minutes are very much connected with the difficulty adjustment. Because uh, difficulty adjustment, everyone knows two weeks, not everyone knows 2016 blocks, but that's why it is two weeks, it's because of the 10 minutes. So the 10 minutes Decide the two weeks, and the two weeks decide the ten minutes. You can't have one without the other. So, the, so that's the thing. So, I think this is. And if you add to that the history of the the block size wars, and that we have the UASF and whatever played out there, uh, if we um, if that's in the collective memory as well, then we will remind them. We will remind everyone why this is important. Why this is why Bitcoin is immutable. This is. This is what immutability means that the users are in control, and uh, then Blackrock can advertise bullshit as much as they could, but still, at the end of the day, I think more and more people over time will converge to Bitcoin conservatism, if you will, rather than Bitcoin progressivism because the the risks of changing the protocol are. Uh, why, I could argue that it's already, we're already at the point where it's more dangerous to try to change it than to just keep it the way it is and do everything by software, everything by layer two. And and even, you know, the the, the whole prediction that time space will be scarcer. I, I prefer to call it time space because it's cooler uh, uh, I got than it. <laughs> bit. Uh, the time chain, you know. Uh, and uh, space, time, time, space. So time, space will be a scarce asset. But we got uh, lightning, and we got liquid, and we got all of this other stuff. And I think the biggest problem is mainly just people's imagination, because like if money is just information, we can do all sorts of other ways of transacting, uh, like keeping a tab on one another and and whatnot, and and like not not using Bitcoin at all with people we trust, but just. Farther, (laughs) you know what I mean. So so, and and also, I think another underestimated effect of people's lowered time preference and Bitcoiners being awesome to one another because we're incentivized to help one another is that we make fewer transactions per time unit because of this lowered time preference. Like, so Bitcoiners don't like to spend that much. We like to save, and we would like to make a a big payment every now and then. But we we prefer not to make smaller payments. Like. That's your list. And if we do, it's off chain anyway. So so I think it's a it's a problem that very likely will s- sort itself out uh, in, in ways we might not be able to imagine yet. But
0: yeah, I, clearly, I, I agree with you and the importance of the activities above the base layer, whether that's lightning or liquid or sediment or, you know, those sort of things are are absolutely critical. I do want to be very clear that I am in no way trying to support this initiative. I'm just trying to be a potential like, hey, watch out for this because I can see the way that they think and that they're going to look at this and see it as a potential manipulation point. So, you know, what's interesting about block space, like I said, I I, I did a half hour talk at BitBlockBoom about it, is that. You know, block space, I've come to this realization that block space is absolutely scarce, just like Bitcoin itself. So if you, you know, and that, yeah, if you look at any period of time, the amount of block space in that time window is absolutely scarce. That's why I love to call it time space,
2: because it's, it's, it's not only scarce, but it's also abundant, given enough time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but it's only it's only absolutely scarce within those 10 minutes. When those 10 minutes have passed. You you can't get into that block anymore. It's final like so. So if you want to engrave something on the time chain today, do it today because you can't do it tomorrow like that's that's the scarcity of it.
0: But it, it's also you I 100% agree, Canute, but it's also absolutely scarce in any future window. So if I say in the next 30 days or the next year, it's also absolutely scarce. Yeah, for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, in 10 minute increments. Yeah, although I'll tell you an interesting thing. I've done, uh, one of the things I've done with my team is we weren't really, ha- I mean, there's some wonderful tools out there, but we, we wanted to do some analysis on the blockchain itself and we weren't getting the data we wanted. So we, we went back to the Genesis block and we started stripping out a, a massive amount of data on every block that we've assembled. And um, we've got some really cool stuff. But some simple stuff uh, that some people might not be aware of. You, you may be aware of it. But the mean block time, all time, is about 9 minutes and 34 seconds. So, uh, and in the last year, it's about 9.49. So, we have a tendency to run just a little bit higher. And that makes sense because hash rate is growing. So the, the difficulty adjustment is backward looking, as you said, looking at the previous. It's actually 2015 looking back because of a coding error, I believe. But it looks back at the previous window and then it averages it. But in the meantime, more hash has been coming on typically. So it runs hot. But what, what's really fascinating is um, the median block time. So not the mean, but the median. And um, do, do you a guess at what that one is? I guess it's
2: way shorter because you have these uh, y- y- really big intervals between blocks. I'm thinking of the two weeks between block zero and one to begin with, <laughs> uh, when Satoshi refused to mine until another miner <laughs> came online. <laughs> uh, so that, that uh, of course, alters the median number. But I would say it's like eight minutes or something, probably. Because you sometimes have like, uh, you sometimes have two hours between blogs.
0: Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, kudos to you. That's the best guess anybody has, has made thus far when I've asked that question. But it's, it's actually six minutes, 40 seconds is the median all time. Yep. Yep. And, makes sense. And what's interesting is not only is it six minutes and 40 seconds all time, it's six minutes and 40 seconds within the last year too. Meaning... It really hasn't changed that, you know, this is the cadence and, you know, I think part of it, uh, part of it comes from what you've said, a block really can't be less than zero other than the timestamps being a little bit, but a block can't be less than zero seconds from the previous block, but it can be technically an infinite amount of time till the next.
2: Yeah. You. We don't know if we'll ever find a new Bitcoin block. And that's true always. You cannot ever know if the next block will be found. You, you have to rely on probabilistics.
0: Yeah, which is a, a wild concept. Um, so far, you're doing pretty well. The, this is also funny because like, you know, that old uh, roulette
2: thing that if you uh, if you d- lose, you double the amount until you uh, and you uh, a bet of two. Red, uh, white, or black. Uh, that's discarding the red, uh, still the one out of a hundred. But still, yeah. Uh, the same thing is true for Bitcoin. The more hashing power there is, the the more likely there, uh, the 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 less likely an infinite amount of time till next block becomes. You know what I mean? So, Correct. The more unspotted because the more hash hashing power, the 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 more powerful the algorithm and the the, the like the 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 better its functions. That's what I'm yes.
0: trying to say. Absolutely, that's true. And, you know, and by the way, these things, uh, this will sound funny, but um, things like, you may say, well, Bob, why do you even care whether or not it's 9.49 or 10 minutes? But it's, it's actually really important if you're a miner because um, that's the difference in about three blocks per day. So when, when we look at our revenue stream as a miner, it may seem insignificant on the surface, but nine minute and forty nine second block times mean average versus ten minutes uh, is the difference in about three blocks per day, and so you know that that means that number one, Bitcoin doesn't grow at nine hundred new Bitcoin in circulation on a daily basis. It's more like nine twenty, uh, and number two, if you're a miner. It means that revenue runs about 2% higher. So this the, the fact that these block times run faster is a, is a big benefit to the mining community. Now, the opposite would be true too. If we have a point in time where we see declining hash for a material part of time, then the blocks are going to be slower. By the way, that's a double whammy for us on the back half of the halving because well, we will see that most likely for three or four difficulty adjustments. We'll see the cycle run slower. And so, you know, it'll obviously depend on the price of Bitcoin at the time, how much hash rate falls, but you know, it could be very material. We could see block times slip out to 12 or 13 minutes even. And so instead of 144 blocks per day, we might see 120 for a little while. And at the same time that the subsidy goes way down. And so, you know, all of us in the mining business have to kind of be prepared and have a little bit in reserve for, for that possibility. Yeah, thinking
2: of the uh, time between blocks, I, I find it very funny that Bitcoin somehow knows when I'm using a Bitcoin ATM and it always decides to, to, to not find the next block for an hour or two, whatever I'm trying to withdraw cash, you know.
0: And then the block after, it's like two minutes, and then there's some, another block. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is uncanny. It's uncanny how that happens. And obviously, it's part of the random process. But one of the things that happens, too, is that, uh, for those of you who are less familiar with it, once a block gets mined, what the pools do to the miners, which right now, the, the block templates, which means the transactions included in the block... Are decided by the pool. And then uh, once a block gets mined, what the pools do to the miners is they send them a blank template. So we start mining with a template that has no transactions in it. And, And in the meantime, pool is out there kind of assembling the next block, and it may take five or 10 seconds. And then they push, then they push the 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 full template to us, but sometimes in that five or ten second window, you find a block with somebody. Yes. Finds, and so, if you're ever curious as to why are why are there empty blocks? Block space is so precious. Why would there ever be an empty one? Well, that that's why. You know, because well, like,
2: is the, is the Coinbase transaction in there though?
0: Yes. Yeah.
2: Yes. Of course. So so miners miners find a, a block
0: for themselves, like. This is mine. <laughs> yes, exactly. But otherwise at least five or ten seconds, like the, the, the uh, you know, we don't want as a community, we don't want that hash power sitting there doing nothing or working on the old because the, the choices are work on nothing or work on the block that's already been found treatmently. So the the best choice. Now what what I think is gonna change is there's a lot of initiatives, Stratum V2 is one of them, but there are others out there that will move the template creation back to the miner. And by the way, if, if you're looking for something to support, don't get caught up in the BIP 300 initiatives, go go, go! help miners and support miners who move mm-hmm. template creation back to the mi- individual miners. That is... Greatest move of decentralization. Yes. And
2: don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and brush your fucking teeth. That's where I squeeze that in there. <laughs> yes. In in that order, please. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bribe <laughs> the miners. <laughs> <laughs> like, subscribe, click the damn bell notification button. Don't curse. And then brush your teeth.
1: FFS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how are you enjoying this episode so far? Before we dive back in, first, a little bit about our sponsors. First up, Wasabi Wallet, the privacy by default, open source, non-custodial Bitcoin wallet with CoinJoin built in. It's the easy to use, comprehensive, affordable way to make your coins private. And the best part is they've been making huge improvements to the app. They're really focusing on the user experience, adding advanced features for power users. They just keep getting better. You send your coins to your Wasabi Wallet, and they get combined with loads of other coins using the Wabi Sabi protocol, so they're private on the other end. Your tracks are covered, so you can work on expanding your freedom footprint without worrying about your privacy. So, check out wasabiwallet.io and download Wasabi today. Next up, Orange Bill App, the Bitcoin social layer app for iOS and Android, where you can stack friends who stack SATs. You can connect with your favorite Bitcoiners on the app, make local connections, and even connect with Bitcoiners around the world. And a big feature on OrangePill app is events. You can see what's going on in your area and connect with Bitcoiners around you. I've been to multiple OrangePill app events, and they brought Bitcoiners together from all over. The best part is, you know it's high signal. There's no spam on OrangePill app because everyone pays to be there. It's just $3 a month. So download OrangePill app on Apple or Android and get connected to the Bitcoin social layer. Next up, our new sponsor, the Bitcoin Way. Their mission is to onboard, educate, and remove barriers to taking self custody of your Bitcoin. They cover everything from cold wallets to nodes, no KYC Bitcoin purchases, inheritance planning, payments, and more. Whether you're new to Bitcoin or you're an experienced Bitcoiner looking to expand your freedom footprint, or you know someone who this sounds perfect for, the Bitcoin Way has something for you. They have a skilled team, well-versed in the Bitcoin space, and their goal is to make all the complexities of Bitcoin as straightforward as possible for everyone. And the best part is you can get started with a free 30-minute call with their team. Go to thebitcoinway.com contact for more info. All right, back to it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and brush your teeth. Maybe you can tell us a little more about that stratum v2. Yeah. Yeah. So today what happens is, let's, let's assume that a block
0: just got mined. So we're ready to get a new one, right? Well, I didn't check this morning, but let's say there are 300,000 transactions in the mempool. And each mining pool today goes out and selects whichever Greek of those they can fit in a 4 million unit weight, okay? which roughly translated as something between one and a half and two megabytes of data in physical data. And they cram in whatever they want. Now... You would think typically they're going to pick the ones that are the most expensive, but they don't have to. They can pick whatever they want. So for instance, when Binance mines pools, what you'll see is that their ex- what's called the expected block is typically very different from the tool block. And why is that? Most likely because they're putting their own transactions in that block at very low fees. And and then stuffing whatever is left in there versus just the, it's not a first in, first out, and it's not a most expensive one. It's, you know, it's whatever they choose. But there are only about 15 active mining pools in the world. So if we look at the last 30-day windows, there's only about 15 pools that have mined a block. And so it's a, pr- it's a pretty small group. And so meaning there are only 15 companies or 15 organizations making those decisions. And to me, that's a scary number. It's too few. It's too prone to censorship. Um, and especially if you look at where the pools are, what you'll find is several of the pools are based in China. No disrespect to any of my Chinese friends, but I don't, I don't currently trust them, um, to act in an appropriate manner. Um, that uh, there's, there's too much likelihood that they are subject to censorship. Some of the other pools um like us-based pools like um, foundry and luxor which are, are two of the bigger um non-chinese ones um they're kyc pools um, and so you really only have a couple places in the world where you can go get a non-kyc pool and um so there's a lot of thoughts about about um these being censorship points so what stratum b2 does as it pertains to this particular issue, is it says, hey, if you are, part, if you are a miner, and you are part of a given pool, yeah. you can construct whatever template you want. So meaning my company, Barefoot Mining, we could take our hashing resources, and we could, we could select our own transactions, and we would be part of the pool, and other people in the pool could go select their transactions. And if barefoot mining wins we're essentially agreeing that we will still share our proceeds with the rest of the pool the same as we would have shared in another way but but it's your set of transactions yes but yes but but we it's yours yeah that's a wonderful idea Uh, yeah we should push for that definitely so then theoretically i mean if we add up all the plebs all the people with a You know, it means everybody can now be part of this, right? So whether or not you have one S9 in your garage or your commercial miner with a couple megawatts or your Riot with several hundred megawatts mining, we each can create our own template. And now the likelihood of any sort of censorship having a material impact on the industry essentially goes away.
2: All right. I I think we need to clear because some of the listeners here might think that, uh, miner centralization is a big issue when they hear this shifting companies thing. And I, I'd like to try my, my way of debunking that by saying like some of the uh, some of the narratives around mining are in my opinion wrong. Like, It's often said that the miners create the Bitcoins, which I think is the, the wrong way to look at it. Mine, miners create blocks and they're employed by node runners to mine blocks. And uh, So Bitcoin... And node runners are either Bitcoin users themselves or employed by Bitcoin users. And Bitcoin users are not only Bitcoin users, but they use every other aspect of the economy too. So they use, you know, bartering, fiat, assets, liabilities that everything in an economy is connected. So, so in that sense, we, we truly all are Bitcoin because even no coiners ideas and trades affect what bitcoiners do, which affects what the node runners do, which affects what the miners can and cannot do. so I think it's all connected like this 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 idea that the miners are somehow the only ones securing the network is vastly m- mis misguided like the, they don't really understand how how it works then and of course, this stratum v two would would add even more, what do you say, like censorship-resistant? That, that yes. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's censorship-resistant enough as it is, because yeah, you can just wait for another block if, if your transaction is not in there. And if it's just a normal transaction, probably nothing will happen. And still, the mining pools, th- this is another important point, the mining pools are cannot do whatever they want either, because they are pools, they are a collection of other miners that decide on the rules of the pool in the end, like they can always choose to leave that pool and and, and go into another pool. Right. So, so 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 they're not there is free market competition everywhere there. Uh, that's the way I see it. Well, what what do you say to that? What are your comments on that? Is there anything you disagree with?
0: No, I, I believe that, you know, first of all, in the current conditions, there's nothing to worry about. Uh, there's the 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 network as it's as it sits today. There is no fear. There's no reason for it uh, for that fear. I would like to see more pools, though. I'll say that you know there there are only 15 pools in the world. And by the way, there are different. It's correct that you can hop from one to the other, but also understand that there are pros and cons of every pool. They don't all work the same way. They have different payout methodologies, some are KYC pools, some are based in other places. There's a, I always remember that as a, at least in the current conditions, there's a risk to a miner with a pool in that we are essentially when the Coinbase comes out, right? The, the, when the Coinbase comes out, it goes to the pool first, and then it gets distributed to the miners and so we are relying upon the integrity of that seeing our payout and um there are cases by the way um uh, being the most recent one where uh there was a failure and they were using a payout method called fpps which i don't know if you want to go down in there rat- that rat hole but it basically left some people where they wanted to withdraw their money from the pool, much like a, like you might, a, a typical user might want to ex- move money off of an exchange, but we have to move the money off of the pool. And it wasn't there. <laughs> like,
2: so w- was it a failure or a failure, uh, quote unquote failure?
0: So there are two different ways that pools pay out, primarily. Okay. One is called PPLNS. By the way, brains, for instance, works on this method. And it basically says, Hey, every time we win a block, what you, you're, you're, as, as miners, we're out doing work and we're part of that pool. And maybe, maybe brains loses and loses and loses, but we've contributed some work to those losing pools. So they keep track of it. And then they finally win one. And then they'll say, okay, we finally won one. Let's, let's look at all the work you contributed during the period, up to the point where we won one, and then distribute the profits. Okay? That's one way to do it. Um, this, the, the second way, which is the most common way now, is called SPPS. And um, in SPPS, what happens is the mining pool takes on a risk. They say, we're all working together on a given block. And You contributed a certain amount of work to that block. So even if we lose, we're going to pay you as if we won. Now, that sounds—it's great for miners, by the way, from a consistency of payout, because we're not, you know, we're getting paid every single block a certain amount. The problem is if they have a massive run of bad luck, because they have to have a reserve of Bitcoin to pay us, right? So if they have a massive run of bad luck, and they run out of Bitcoin before you know before uh, they win one, then then you shit out of luck, right?
2: Then they will have to sell their shares. (laughs) Yes, their shares. Yeah, (laughs) that's that's what will happen. And uh, after that, something even worse. I wouldn't even want to think about it.
0: So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. So, I know we're kind of in the bowels of mining, but, but it, the reason I say that is that it is, it is a true statement that you made that you can move from, from pool, to pool to pool. But understand two things. One is they're not all the same. And, and number two, those that require KYC, that has become a really obnoxious process. So, it's true that you can just go into the miner and you can point it to a new pool. But if you want to point it to a KYC pool, they won't accept you until you've gone through the KYC process. So there are certain, you know, it's in the end, everything you said is true. There's just, it's a, there's a little bit of nuance to it. So why are people KYC mining at all? I mean,
2: to me, that sounds... Weird, because like the only reason I can think of for myself to mine is like, first of all, the electricity price needs to be like five cents or less or something like that, right? For for do to be profitable at all. Which maybe maybe a bit.
0: Of, well, it depends on your machine, but yeah,
2: yeah. Depend. Say I get the S nine for free. Uh, this it's it would still have to be like less than ten cents or something.
0: Oh, an S nine. Yeah, you're probably. Like four, four, yes. Yeah.
2: All right. So, so the thing is, to my knowledge, that's that's the word. Uh, It's better to just buy the Bitcoin or accept goods and services, accept Bitcoin for your goods and services than to try and mine them. So, the only reason that I would personally run a miner is to get KYC free Bitcoin. That's the whole point because KYC free Bitcoin are very valuable and like some. uh, some exchanges that you might have bought your Bitcoin off uh, far back in the past, maybe KYC, then they may, you know, flag coin joints and whatnot. And if you're not, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, that's a tricky, tricky thing to pull off for most people. So mining is a, an easy way to get KYC free Bitcoins, uh,
0: relatively easy. The, as at the individual level, but I call those rabbits. So all the individuals out there that are mining, Yes, you should you should use a non KYC pool and you shouldn't that way. If you're a commercial miner like me, at least with my commercial operation, I mean we kind of have to KYC anyway. It doesn't it doesn't really matter cuz we're it's our business, right? We're reporting the income, you know, it's it's fairly obvious what we're doing. That said, I'm going to put the pools available today in the three buckets. Okay? The First bucket are the ones in China. So you have you have Poulin, S2 Pool, and An Pool, maybe as the as the big ones, right? And I am trying to remember. I think I think a couple of those are KYC, but they're also in China. They're you know, and so there's a there's a certain risk there. And Poulin being the one that actually failed for a significant period of time because they ran out of money. So there's You know, there's a history there to be leery of. The second group are um, North American-based pools, Foundry and Luxor being the two big ones, but they're full KYC pools. They're well-run companies. The pools run well. Um, They use this FPPS method that I um, talked about, so they pay very consistently, Um, but they're KYC. Then the non-KYCs, um, I'd say the two primary places you have to go to do kind of non-KYC stuff would be Brains and NiceHash. eight um, good companies. I'll, I'll, I'll say we, even though we are, they don't require KYC, um, we do, at, at Barefoot Mining, we use both of those, by the way. We use both of those um, in our operations. Um, we still repair all our income because of what we do, but they're very, very good pools. But, they're honestly like the only two choices I can think of, legitimate choices that I can think of today that give you that option. So if you're an individual miner out there running an S9, like you said, Canuck, I would pick one of those two and, and, and use them because, I mean, that's the choice set, right? So, so there's really another, nothing else for people to consider. Yeah, someone showed
2: me a, a service in Riga where you could just pay some sets to Brains. Uh, via some other service, and uh, they would mine for you, so you could you could basically give them KYC bitcoins and uh, get non KYC bitcoins back. Mm. <laughs> so it's pretty neat. Uh, yeah, given that you actually got them back, because you need to find a block. <laughs> At in point. order to yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, since it's mining, it's uh, unlikely that their business model is.
0: Is backwards, so so you probably lose more money than you make. But still, it's KYC free. Yeah, there was a lot of speculation earlier this week. Um, some of you may have seen that there was a there was a very unusual block that was mined where there were like the twenty Bitcoin fees and you know half a all-
2: million dollars in fees.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think it was yeah it was F two pool by the way. So it was one of the Chinese pools that mined it. Yeah, so they probably paid themselves, yeah. right? Yeah. So it, it it's that was my speculation. So I can only guess, right? My speculation is something not unlike you you just described, where somebody wanted to clean something up, um, you know, where and yeah. and create create virgin Bitcoin, right? I mean, that's what he wanted was some virgin bitcoin, and that's a great way to do it.
1: This is
2: also like we we, we call these things fees and subsidies and rewards and transactions and inputs and outputs but at the end of the day it's just numbers it's just a string so a string of ones and zeros who doesn't care who can't care what we call uh, about what we call them so Correct. so you can so in, in the end it's just your imagination that that sets the limits for what bitcoin can actually be used for so and and that's just that Part of the rabbit hole, I think, is vastly unexplored. It's like uh, the, another thing I've been talking about is these steel plates being sort of the standard for for seed phrases now, mm-hmm. and like that's also. I don't think that will last forever. I think that's a a, a thing now, but the only thing that stops you from from uh, storing your bitcoins in any other way is your imagination. It's just that it has become an industry standard because they're fireproof and bulletproof and whatnot. But but still, it's just information, it, it's, it doesn't have to be a seed phrase, it can be ones and zeros, it can be a JPEG, it can be a, a hexadecimal number, it can be whatever, uh, yeah. and you can hide them in a poem, you can hide them in, in underpants. I, I, what, what, my point is that the only thing that sets the limits is your imagination. And this goes for everything in Bitcoin. like. How you use Bitcoin is also only limited by your imagination. I mean, I would say that in a philosophical sense, we're using Bitcoin right now. We're not sending anything, but we're all Bitcoin proponents and we're doing a Bitcoin show and we get something out of it of interviewing you. You hopefully get something out of talking to us. And in a a meta sense, we are using Bitcoin right now and we're doing a transaction. It's just that it's very, very meta. But still, yeah. it's all in our heads. So, since Bitcoin is so connected to just our brains, it's all about keeping secrets. And I, if you've seen my latest, did it, maybe you even saw it in Prague. <laughs> uh, I had to talk about the how, uh, how we are, our, uh, our Bitcoins, because like the, the miner, you're the miner. You, your machines are not the miners. You are the miner because you're the guy that decided to buy them, plug them in and run the software. And uh, me and my node and Luke and his node, we are the nodes, not the, not the, uh, the Raspberry Pi. Uh, and also, just w- what is owning a Bitcoin? You can't own a Bitcoin. All you can do is remember a secret. That's, that's all it is. And the, the only thing, so it's not true ownership. It's just hoping that no other person has access to the secret that you know. So, so that's all it is. So, so which, which should make it like impossible to legally do anything to Bitcoin in a in a proper country. Unfortunately, there are no proper countries. So, so they all have flawed legal systems, and we can't do whatever we want with our information in our heads. Uh, and free speech speech is a facade <laughs> uh, everywhere, uh, because m- the, the the big big thing that. Bitcoin did to me was make me realize that money is only information. It's nothing but information. And it's how we, how we use that information and uh, that's important. And only our imaginations set the limits to how we can do that. We've been told our entire lives that money is a noun when it's really just an adjective, Every, everything has a, a money to it and it's better or worse. As a medium of exchange, but anything can be a medium of exchange. Everything is
0: money, like it's just information. Yeah, well, no, I am I'm really just supporting what you what you've pontificated there so well. It, it's um, and I think that's part of the thing. You know, I I have a technical background, I have a background in economics, and I I I think that one of the hard things for there are so many people in the Marines mm-hmm. who perceive themselves as being financially literate or literate in business or literate in economies. And, and that's their biggest obstacle is that, that they're the hardest people for me to, like we talked about Orange Pill apps. Oh, folks. The hardest people to Orange Pill are those people that have that perception of- The know-it-alls. Of the, the, the know-it-alls. They're the, they're the worst ones. I mean, I've, I, I used to try so hard and now I can see it very quickly and I just say, well, I'm going to move on to the next person and put my, put my energy into somebody that is receptive because it's not, they're not there. There's nothing I can do to push them over the edge and, um, you know, there's, are you familiar with the dunning Kruger curse? Yeah. yeah. I, and, I love it. Yeah. And there's people that are stuck on that first, that first. John
2: please one of my heroes John Cleese is is very uh, good. Uh, he has a very eloquent uh, description of what the Dunning Kruger effect is. And I think he actually knew the two psychologists behind this, the uh, Dunning and Kruger, like, or at least one of them. Uh, and how it
0: explains not only Hollywood, but the rest of the world as well. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it certainly, it's certainly typifies so many people that I know all of us run into as we try this and and maybe to a certain degree me I I don't I don't think I ever had um quite the the arrogance that some of the people have like you know but I've I've always I've always had a quest for knowledge you know I think my from young boy I I've continually read and explored and wanted to learn new things and you know, Bitcoin doesn't disappoint. I mean, that's the beauty of it is, you know, I, I think you've, you've been longer than I have, but, you know, six years into this journey and even with my technical background and even with my background in economics, I'm learning on a daily basis. And and it's, that's a marvelous thing. My wife, I turn 60 next year. Congratulations. And Yeah, class. well, I guess <laughs> I, I'm still here, right? <laughs> but one of the things my wife has said to me, um, that I think is, it's really important to me at a personal level. She said, you know, she, she knew me back in the personal computer days, right? And like, I knew I was working, especially as time went by, I knew I was working on something that was changing the worry that, you know, um, personal computer is really an extension of information too, right? Exactly. It's a fancy abacus.
2: That's all it is. It's, it's just an abacus. Uh, just a really, really fast one and a really, really good one, but at the end of the day, it's just
0: what it's it's still ones and zeros. right? At the end of the day, and you know, I, the the realization of of you know that hey, I was part of that revolution from the very beginning, and I was I was very proud of that, and I spent twenty years doing it, and when it ended, like one of the things I'll say, I was I'm not a celebrity, I never was, but I was. I was part of that revolution at, at a core level. And I woke up every day with this enthusiasm because I knew I was doing something like really important that would leave a mark on me. Really? I know and the when, feeling. And, yeah. Well, and, and then it ended. And, and I, I don't want to say I was depressed, but I was searching for something because when it ended, it wasn't there anymore. And, and I think I know to a certain degree what it might feel like if you're, if, like people who are famous, maybe they were an athlete or an entertainer, you know, and then they get on the backside of that and it and it's not there anymore. I think I know what that feels like, like you, you kind of don't know what your purpose is and what your role is. And if you think your best days are behind you, it's a really, that's a really bad thought. Right. Yeah, it's a shitty feeling. It's a shitty feeling and I and I had it. And so I was slugging through life. I was still trying to do things, but nothing I was working on had that same importance. Until Bitcoin. And so, you know, my like my wife, what she'll say is like my aura changed, my my enthusiasm for life, like all those sort of things like reinvigorated me when I found Bitcoin because I go, oh, now I have purpose. And what's beautiful is You know, I don't know whether I have one year left or thirty years left, but I know that I know what my purpose is, at least professionally, over that entire period, and that's that gives me a lot of um, comfort on a daily basis, and to know I have that inspiration ready for me. That's
2: beautiful. So there are two more things I wanted to ask you about, and one of them is a, a, a rabbit hole in itself. Speaking of orange peeling. Like how come you invested in Orange Bill App and what wh- what made you make that decision? Because you might know that I'm an advisor for Orange Bill App. Yes. So disclaimer. <laughs> We're also sponsored by Orange Bill App. So the, the, there are the
0: disclaimers. But Yeah. Yeah. And well and, and I am I, I and I am an investor, as you've said. So well, I I live so first is I created a Bitcoin fund. It's mainly for family and friends. Some of you may have the same thing where people came to me over the years like, Bob, can you help me get invested in Bitcoin? And how do I do this? And how do I do that? And I just said, well, let me just create a fund. And so I'll manage these investments for people. Um, so, so that was one part of it. But more fundamentally, I live in the base layer. That's where, that's where I spend my day. And I'm very passionate about it. I like I I view it as something sacred that I have to protect. But I also know that for Bitcoin to flourish, things have to happen outside of the base layer, right? The, like we talked about lightning and liquid and sediment and like those sort of things. But but we also need things at even what I would consider a higher layer, like the social layer. And I saw what was happening with orange pill app to connect the community. And I, I think in a lot of ways, you know, that is, that is such an important piece of Bitcoin flourishing. And I thought that the team was doing a pretty good job with the app. Um, it was nice to be able to invest in something that was already there and working and building the community as opposed to just a concept. But it was doing something that I thought was critical to, to the ecosystem and the community flourishing.
2: Yeah, cool. Uh, that sounds like the same sort of the same reasons that I decided to, to uh, say yes to them and be on the advisory board because I saw, I saw the potential in it. And when Matteo explained it to me, I, I was sold on the idea. It felt like something we've been missing and uh, yeah I, I would say that it's layer 0 though and not a layer above it's the layer below okay. like without yeah, I'll, with, I'll, without I'll people uh, maybe not orange pill app itself but the people in bitcoin uh they're the absolute most crucial thing they're more yes yeah. since we We're are on bitcoins yeah yeah so so the the computers uh they're the abac abacai abacus uh <laughs> And uh, we are, we are the foundation, the layer zero running the layer one and the layer two okay. and
0: whatnot. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. <laughs> got... That's nitpicky. I know. And uh... no, it's not. I think those are, those are important things. So I enjoy conversations like this because I think that for all of us, we have to kind of evolve and how we, how we look at the ecosystem and feel about it. And, and I think that that's a, that's a really um, sage uh, observation that yeah you know, at the end of the day it is the people that yeah it's just just an agreement on a fixed set of rules <laughs>
1: yeah. Bob, what wh- what do you hope comes out of orange pill app what do you hope it it leads to well I, I one
0: of the things i love about the orange pill app is that it's not free that you know there is a cost of entry because you know, we live in whether it's the Twitter world or the Reddit world or whatever your your community of choice is, and it just it's so easy for anonymous people to come in for free and cause clutter and confusion. Um, you know, um, you know, even like Noster, you know it it has some potential. I I, I don't wish ill upon it, but it, it, it's subject to the same, the same problem. And so I, I think for us to have a safe place that offers value and that I know if, if somebody, like I respond to everybody. So if you're, if you're on orange pill app and you DM me, you know, I'm going to respond to you because I, I know you're my tribe. Right. Same same here. Don't tell anyone. But, but we're <laughs> almost
2: ninety minutes into the show, so it's safe to say it here because it's so much like little people.
0: Yeah, if there's <laughs> yeah, here you're still my drive. So oh you know, and so you know, because I I you know, I want to connect to those people. You know, it's it, it's hard to find genuine friends and genuine people on this world. And I've had very few interactions with Bitcoiners ever the world that have been negative. And so, um, you know, hence hence what I just said, I'm like, gosh, I'm happy to meet anybody that wants to meet me. Good to hear.
2: Uh, yeah, a uh, couple of other points. Uh, I'm curious to how you find, this is a completely different subject. I'm just curious how you found my works in back in 2017. Because I was relatively unknown by then, like, or whenever you found them. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I, I believe that it was, um, that you had, I don't remember what it was, but I think I saw something on Twitter that showed me that you, you were thinking on a different plane than most people. <laughs> yeah. I found Canute's book um and I just said you know this this is a dude that's thinking differently and um you know I want to I want to get in his head and so obviously it's a pleasure to meet you and get to know you a little bit more even now today but um especially being inside your book in fact I did you know because we were doing this show I went back and um or I have yeah so you know I went I went and uh uh you know I just So I, when I, when I read, I take a lot of notes, you know, and so I'm my, if, if, you know, my kids someday, if they ever want to read my books, the that's, you know, I do that for two reasons. You know, one, I take, I take copious notes in the book itself, you know, as I'm reading and, you know, I, one, it helps me because I'll go back and I'll read and I can find the things that were really pertinent to me. And, um, at least for my children someday, I hope that... If 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 they're ever interested, they can know what Dad was thinking, right? See where my head was. But yeah, that's that's part of the reason that I write books. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah. Well, that's you know, I I I have I I have not written a book, but I I tried to write a lot myself. I've done several articles for Bitcoin Magazine and my blog, and that. And I think I wish like like, because I I've been through this one this sort of industry like. If If I could go back to 1985 or 1986 and I could have all my notes and my thoughts about the early days of the personal computer, I would treasure those um, and and uh, I don't have them. I didn't do that back then. i didn't think I didn't think it was uh I don't know I guess I don't even know why
2: if you did if you did that, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates would have been nobodies. <laughs> You'd leapfrog them all. <laughs>
0: Uh, actually, I knew both of them. I, well, well, actually, Steve's gone, but, uh, I, I, I knew Gates and he's not a nice man, but he's just a case you wonder. <laughs> he
2: is not a nice man or he is a nice man. No, he's not. All right. Well, there, there are tells, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know him, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't talk, talk down on people. I don't know. That's bad behavior. I'm, I'm thinking oh those building computer days, I remember like in the mid 90s when when stationary computers were the thing and in order to ma- to get a good gaming computer, which there weren't any around, you had to build your own and you had to like buy some more memory and uh, buy some more stuff for it, more fans and stuff and uh, just add them yourself, <laughs> a lot of do it yourself stuff, which was way harder back then because there weren't, you know, now, if you if you add memory to a, a PC, there's a specific slot that is uh, and it's it's easy to do. It wasn't back then, but it was fun because it's that, the ultimate like raking something and trying to put it together again. It's wonderful.
0: Well, it's and it's very uh, uh, one of the things I speak on sometimes is, you know, the analogies between the personal computer era and the Bitcoin era and that a lot of times the Bitcoiners have a tendency to look at the, the internet adoption and the Bitcoin adoption and they kind of say, oh, we're, we're here relative to the internet. And, you know, maybe because of my history, probably because of my history, I look at it a little differently. I look at the personal computer as really the enabler of the internet. And, yeah. uh, you know, without, without the personal computer, there is no internet. know it didn't have the you know there had to be the users there and the hardware there to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> but the early days of the personal computer, as you said, Canood are they were difficult. And so if you've if you've run them, if you've if you're a miner or you run a node or you do those things, and there's idiosyncrasies and all kinds of difficult things, you're yeah. just you're just in that same space as the personal computer back in the late eighties to the yeah, yeah, yeah. and. All that'll work itself out. It won't be long till it's it's very very easy. All those usability things will, um, yeah, you know, will be a thing of the past, and you won't even remember how difficult it was. And hopefully, the same with custody too. You know yeah. that that you know all those usability things will.
2: I think there will always be trade-offs, but still, it will be easier. I, I mean that there was, this reminds me of my Commodore sixty-four and how I had to adjust the cassette player's sensitivity, the head, uh, yeah, yeah. With, uh, and then the, the upgrade to that was that it came with a with a uh, knob, so you didn't have to use a screwdriver anymore. <laughs> so there was an actual cassette deck with, for a Commodore 64 with a knob instead of, you know, just the screw for the, the screwdriver. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. I have very fond memories of that. My first, you know, the the first programs I made on a, on the Commodore 64 in Basic, and and then the other the other the other memory I have from like a, a leap in in computing uh, is when uh, when the internet started around 96, uh, 95 or ninety six, as far as I can recall, I sort of saw what was coming. And like, holy shit, this is unstoppable. And this is going to this is going to change everything. Like I, I had that in my head and I was trying to talk to people about it. But they, as usual, people go about their day and don't think about things like that. (laughs) Uh, So, so I was close to, you know, devoting my life to doing something with the Internet or on the Internet or something Internet related, but then I uh, failed my uh, electronics engineering studies and decided to go and be a sea captain like my father instead, which was a dumb choice. But on the other hand, if I hadn't, I might not have been here and my perspectives might have been completely different. So like right now, I'm pretty happy that I have a different background than everyone else uh, in the space, because I, I think people underestimate their
0: uniqueness uh in a sense that and the older you get the more unique you get you know i think that that's like in my history you know we have these life vectors and there's a whole long story i'll tell you over a drink someday but when i got out of college i I had a technical degree uh computer engineering and i had two job offers one was with the national security agency to be a spy and the second was to go design personal computers uh, for Zenith. And obviously, I chose the design personal computer path. But, uh, you know, clearly, if I had taken the other job, (laughs) I would have been a pretty different life vector. Um, And uh, I was very happy that I took that that choice.
2: Spy seems stressful (laughs) and not necessarily productive.
0: Yeah. But you know, it, it had this, I have to admit, like as a, I was 21 years old and it, it had this allure, like they offered of me a course, lot of money from the movies. You know, I would have, yeah, I would have gone to, um, they were going to put me in a, um, like a, a two year, uh, doctorate program to get my, my doctorate in mathematics, specifically in cryptography, uh, and for obvious reasons. And then they would have Then they would have assigned me to some embassy somewhere around the world and i would have masked as a embassy worker right and done whatever they told me to do i guess on the on the other side of that and i mean in the end i didn't take the job obviously uh but but i was i always wonder you know much like maybe you would wonder too like what what would have happened yes if i had gone this way or that way Pretty sure I made the right choice.
2: There's, have you seen the man from Uncle? That's old television series. Oh, the old? old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a Bob's your uncle joke
1: here to be made, but I can't find it, you know. The show is also sponsored by zellox That's X-E-L-L-O-X. They've developed the excellent Yoki's seed plate kit. The solution against everything life throws at you, including fire, water, corrosion, and pests. The Yokis package includes three stainless steel plates and a pen sized electric engraver so you can write your seed on metal just like writing on paper. And they have big plans. They're developing a next gen hardware wallet too. But for now, you can order the Yokis to safeguard your keys in a safe and convenient way. Check out Zellox at zellox.io. That's X E L L O X.io. And finally, we're also sponsored by BitcoinBook.shop your source for Bitcoin books in over a dozen languages, including all of Knut's books. Their mission is to translate great Bitcoin and freedom-oriented books into as many languages as possible, while also publishing original titles to get even more knowledge out there. Use code FOOTPRINT for 10% off your purchases at bitcoinbook.shop.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so where were we? Uh, yeah, speaking about... That drink, uh, which conferences are you going to this this year? Uh, is there any chance we'll
0: see you? I uh, will see me at Pacific Bitcoin and at Unconfiscatable. Those will be the next two. You'll be at either of those? Not coming to those. Unfortunately, we're sort
2: of stuck in Europe here. This this fall, uh, mostly voluntary. Uh, uh, I, I went to 13 conferences the, the, the last past year. So I'm pretty tired of being a ping pong ball and uh yeah but 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 the big one is the bitcoin Atlantis in madeira in in March.
0: you heard about that one i did i'm I'm intrigued by it. um, I haven't spoken to anybody from there um, but it looks it looks quite appealing uh so yeah are you are you you obviously will be there
2: yeah i'm I'm sort of organizing it I'm a part of the organization that organizes it oh okay yeah, yeah so uh, so uh uh, yeah, I'm working with Andre and he's shown me some insider stuff there and it looks absolutely fantastic with the president has given us a, 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 a stadium, a football stadium. Imagine that to host the Bitcoin conference in. Wow. And, we're, and all the big names are coming. And, you know, Madeira itself, I was Madeira pilled way before I was orange pilled. <laughs> Madeira, Madeira is just absolutely stunning. So use code Knut for ten percent off of the tickets for Bitcoin Atlantis, and go and check that out. And we'll have a swell time there. And we'll we'll be on the I'll be on the island some weeks before I think, and maybe a week after or something. Because I mean, why the hell not? It's a literal paradise, and there'll be Bitcoiners everywhere. Can't imagine yeah. a
0: better pl- time and place to be. It looks it looks wonderful. It looks wonderful. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll seriously have to look at that one. Well, it is it is a highly appealing place. I haven't been there, um, and I know my, my wife and I have talked about that before. I'm very blessed to have a wife who's who's you know completely orange filled and a bitcoiner too, and that that really helps. Yeah. but as you said, you know it it is hard because you could you could spend your life going to bitcoin conferences and and so you know you have to pick pick the right ones and and the ones that you know, you're going to have the most impact on because I think I've done, I think this will be six or seven this year for me. And, you know, like I'm trying to run a company at the same time. So, you know, uh, I can only, I can only afford so much.
2: Yeah, uh, I I know the feeling trying to juggle life. (laughs) All right, uh, Luke, do you have any further questions for Bob or
1: any final thoughts?
0: Well, I'll just say that you know you'll hear. I think we're at a point right now where we're seeing a lot of chatter. You mentioned the BIP 300 thing earlier. You know, we had the ordinals stuff earlier. Noise. Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, don't don't get caught up in it. You know, just stay stay online. We're fine. You know, you're fine. Bitcoin's fine. Just just stay the course, uh, and and we'll you know we're we're all going to be okay great
2: well it was a fantastic conversation bob nice to have you here and nice to see you again and i hope we can catch up at some conference and the next time we're at the same
1: conference we shouldn't miss one another <laughs> absolutely i will make sure and uh, where can where can our uh, listeners uh, and viewers uh, find you and follow what you're up to
0: yeah um Sure, a company, if, if you're a potential investor, we do, um, we do uh, bring in individual investors into mining projects. So every time we bring up a new mining site, we typically create a unique company operated by Barefoot Mining and we bring in investors. So if anybody has that interest, um, just go to uh, barefootmining.com and fill out the investor form. Uh, and then on Twitter, I'm Boomer underscore BTC. Wonderful.
2: All right this has been the freedom footprint
1: show like and subscribe and brush your teeth thank you bob thank you so what did you think of that episode with bob i learned a lot about how mining really works and i'm glad we have someone like bob in the space to advocate for the bitcoin ethos in the industry what was your favorite moment let us know you can send us a boostergram on fountain leave us a comment on youtube or get in touch on nostor or twitter if you're watching on youtube don't forget to like the episode and subscribe to the channel Our show's sponsors are Wasabi Wallet, Orange Pill App, The Bitcoin Way, Zellox, and BitcoinBook.shop. Check out their details in the description. That's all for now. See you next time, and thanks for listening.